When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Daily Premier League action and reaction. This is Football Social Daily. Harry Kane is staying at Tottenham. The long, winding saga is over. We know our answer. The England captain will not be a Manchester City player this summer. But will Cristiano Ronaldo? Kane has committed himself to Spurs for the time being. Is it sincere or was it forced? We'll discuss that. And if Ronaldo, a Manchester United legend, will really end up at the Etihad before the window closes. So much to talk about on today's Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast with a new show seven days a week. Hit subscribe now to keep up to date with all the news and views from England's top flight. I'm Niall McCorn and with me today, Marley Anderson. Morning, Marley. Good morning. How are we doing today? Not spoken <laughs> to you on a podcast since... Oof. 24 hours ago. I'm as good as I was for the other 11 days in a row that you've been on or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm the dead same. Not much has changed, to be honest. Uh, and it's a warm welcome as well to Callum Tyler. How are you doing, Callum? I'm good. It's good to be back uh, in a week that sounds like it's just about as exciting as that week the uh, Super League fell apart. With yeah, it's great to have you back. You seem to pick the days, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I made my debut the week that Maradona died. So I was a big game player. Oh, mentality. my God. You're like the Grim Reaper of bad football news. Uh, or good football news if you're a Tottenham fan, of course. That is the only place we can start. Harry Kane has committed his future, this summer at least, to Tottenham Hotspur. The saga is over. It's been a long-running thing that's been touted since before the European Championships. There's been a few spanners in the works along the way. Names thrown around that maybe could be included in part of a Harry Kane to Manchester City deal. But the bottom line is Tottenham Hotspur wanted a certain amount of money and Manchester City have decided they're probably not going to pay it. Daniel Levy, the chairman of Spurs, we know how stubborn he is, but we know also how much Manchester City desired Harry Kane to come and join them at the Etihad Stadium. He revealed his allegiance yesterday to Tottenham Marley in a Twitter statement, which I'll read out in full shortly. But first of all, what is your overriding reaction to the news that Harry Kane has decided to stay at Spurs? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that, that bothered either way, to be honest. Um <laughs> You know, <laughs> me either. To be fair, it's. The, I was just saying before we started recording that it feels like it's been blown into a bigger thing than it really yeah, is. You're, deep you're probably down. right. It's. Uh, you know, I I always thought City are better off trying to sign Haaland than Kane, um, purely because of the age and and things like that. Um, I couldn't ever see them spending 150 on, 
you know, meeting the, the levy asking price, I always thought that was too high. Um, you'd be doubling their previous transfer record from before the summer. Then they went and signed Grealish, so it made it even less likely. Um, but, you know, every all parties seem to want the move, so I was kind of like, I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. I never could never see him definitely leaving Spurs, because even though he, he asked to leave, I never thought he was absolutely adamant that he had to leave this summer. I think he always knew that the money was huge and it wasn't wasn't as easy as just somebody ripping the checkbook out and saying, yeah, we've got that money to spend. And there was only ever one team in for him, which was Manchester City. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's it's just one of them where you, you've you got to get on with it now. And uh, a lot of people saying it was now or never. I'd probably agree with that. I don't see Man City going back in for him next year. Um, I feel like the 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 fee then will still be a hundred million quid, and it'll be twenty nine. And there might be other players out there wanting to be um, that Man City want to sign. So I feel like we've uh, we're, we're done with that now. Um, I don't know if it'll stop people writing about it because it was a good little uh, clickbaity title. Got plenty of clicks over the uh, the past six months or whatever it's been. So yeah, I feel like it's um, it's done now. We can all we can all just move on. He uses the words this summer in his mini statement, I suppose you could call it on social media. So let me read it out in full. This is what Harry Kane's tweeted on his uh, account, which came out just after we finished recording yesterday's podcast at quarter to one. So almost 24 hours ago since the news broke. It was incredible to see the reception from the Spurs fans on Sunday and to read some of the messages of support I've had in the last few weeks. I will be staying at Tottenham this summer and will be 100% focused on helping the team achieve success. I guess, Callum, that some people will look at this and not see it as sincere. And the reason I say that is because it was no secret that Harry Kane wanted to move to Manchester City. He desired that move to win trophies, something Tottenham haven't done since 2008. So can you understand those people, some of whom are Tottenham fans, that don't see this as 100% honest or accurate from Harry Kane? Yeah, I mean, they'd be completely right. Um, Harry Kane has uh, overplayed his hand almost all summer. Uh, there was reports uh, in the Athletic this morning that he was he was speaking about moving to Manchester in the England dressing room at the Euros. Uh, he did that that kind of infamous walking around a golf course interview with uh, Gary Neville for Sky Sports um, at the kind of crucial point of Spurs season, which apparently enraged Daniel Levy at the timing of that. But the, you know, even though he didn't say it explicitly, it was super clear what he meant. Um, he seems to have been operating under. There seems to be constant misunderstandings between him and his people and Levy mm. over whether there was a gentleman's agreement, whether <laughs> Kane was allowed some kind of extra time off. Uh, he's been fined two weeks wages for, for not returning to training um, when he was supposed to. It, it seems to me that Kane has, has, or Kane's people, you know, apparently his brother is, is kind of very much involved in this, tried to kick up a stink to kind of force Levy's hand. Um, and, you know, the problem with that is if you can't make it happen, you kind of have to back down, mm. um, and it's interesting. It's interesting on the price. Like, so if if Levy thinks, oh, you know, we can probably get more from next year when it's a more buoyant market, as Marley says, Kane will be another year older, and you can only see them getting anywhere near the same money for me if Kane scores like what thirty goals this season. Like, Kane now has to prove that he's still worth that at twenty nine for me. Yeah. I don't think if he has a disappointing season, if he lets this derail him, if he doesn't perform, 
you're not getting the same next season. That's that's done, and that's the matter shut. Then surely, yeah. you know, he's missed his chance. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll ever hear the term gentleman's agreement again because <laughs> Daniel Levy is adamant that there not never a was a gentleman's <laughs> agreement in the first place. Harry Kane suggests that there was. But actually, I think it's a good point that you make, Callum, because in terms of Harry Kane's age, he's 28 years of age. And I just wonder if City didn't spend 100 million on Grealish, whether they would have gone in for Kane. But at that price, in the fact he's tied himself down to a new contract at Tottenham in recent years, which I think keeps him at the club until 2024, is it? It was a six-year deal, I think he signed in 2018. So actually, all of the cards were in Tottenham's on Tottenham's table basically the ball was completely in their court when it came to this move so do you think Marley that with this news the fact that he said that he's staying at Tottenham at at least for this summer we don't know what might happen in January or the summer after this but for the time being he's staying at Tottenham but do you think that with that news we'll now see Harry Kane stay at Tottenham Hotspur for the rest of his career Uh, I think I, I would be sort of inclined to say so yeah because you know, he's. It's always going to take a huge amount of money to, to take him away, um, and he's. You know, he's captain. He's top scorer. He's the legend there, and all the rest of it. And I feel like when he's thirty, I feel I just think I'm not sure who will be in for him that guarantees um, titles. Like I don't think I don't know what the the scene's going to be like in in two years' time. You know, if Man City have won back to back titles, I can't see them going for him in two years' time. Um, I feel like Man United will have signed another long-term striker by then. I think Chelsea will still have Lukaku um, and maybe Werner as well. So if you're talking about you know, going somewhere on a free uh, when his contract runs down and, and taking your pick, I don't know if there's going to be clubs there that want to do, that guarantee him winning trophies. Um, I think Man City at this time, if he'd have moved there, guarantees your trophies. Of course it does, but I think while you're there, if Spurs can win something, I feel like he'll sign another contract and see out his career there and become the uh, the one club man that not many people do these days. And he'll probably smash the records and get plenty to talk about to his kids and his grandkids when he gets older. Mm. Um, so I was going to say, you, you almost almost got through that whole piece there without <laughs> mentioning the goal scoring record well, which gonna, is held he's... by your beloved Alan Shearer 260 Premier League goals he's on 166 or something similar to that at the moment so I think he's I hope he gets to 258 and PSG get him on a free <laughs> can you imagine the scene <laughs> <laughs> but certainly that's something that he'll have in his mind now um, because that was always kind of part of the debate when it surrounded Harry Kane was does he want trophies does he want to be a one club man a a Premier League legend I think he already is a bit of a Premier League legend he's certainly the best English striker since Wayne Rooney that I can remember in my lifetime and Rooney was touted as the best since Shearer so I mean you're looking at really a, a bit of a legend of the English game in terms of Manchester City I mean obviously great news for Tottenham they get to keep their star asset their prize striker but in terms of Manchester City Callum do they target a striker now with six days of the window to go? Or is it simply too late? Because we mentioned Erling Haaland on yesterday's podcast and it looks like next summer is going to be the real uh, time for people to go in for him. Whereas this summer now, with only a few days left, everyone knows that City are looking for a striker. Do you think they will or do you think they'll hold off? I think it's going to be either somebody not of the same level, kind of who's not on the radar at the moment, you know, maybe a sort of... 20 30 million pound player from from somewhere and we and we just don't know yet. I know we're about to come on to him. I can't see it being Ronaldo. 
Uh, Mbappe is the only player of the same level who's kind of available, but seems to just want to go to Real Madrid. And then Holland, obviously, that's kind of a matter for next season. And I think, I, w- I mean, personally, I would rather Holland. I like the City connection. I prefer him as a player to Kane. Uh, apparently, Guardiola would completely disagree with that. He thinks he, you know, he needs Kane. He thinks he's like the perfect player. Um, and apparently, there's no one else that that kind of really comes close. Which is why, by all accounts, City have gone in for him. They passed on Lukaku. They didn't pursue. Haaland or Mbappe or anyone else this summer um, it's kind of, you know, you're not going to get, if, if if you're not giving Levy the money that he wants for Kane, and part of this is because City don't want to be seen to be spending too much money because it obviously inflates transfers, you know, for, for them from from that point on um, if you're not going to give Levy the money for Kane you're just going to get ripped off in the last six days if people know you're trying to panic buy a striker, so you can't get value there either um, and I think they'll look at last season when we won the league Without a kind of recognised striker, Aguero was there, but he, he barely did anything. And I think they'll think, well, we can probably just do the same again. Ferran Torres is coming good. Um, Gabriel Jesus looks like he's 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 in for probably a, a good season as well. So I think they'll take their chances this year. Um, I don't think there'll be anyone in January. But we're, I know we're about to come on to him. <laughs> Obviously, Ronaldo is angling for a move. Yeah, absolutely. Those rumours have really exploded into life now that Harry Kane's decided he's going to stay at Tottenham. We've spoken about this a couple of times in terms of Cristiano Ronaldo and a return to the Premier League. But as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, he's a Manchester United legend. He became the best player in the world at Old Trafford Marley. He won the Ballon d'Or. He won multiple Premier Leagues and a Champions League. Surely not. He wouldn't do that to tarnish his legacy, would he, at Manchester United? I really really don't know. I can't see this, like, I can't get a a read on it. I don't know. Like, normally I would say I can't see this happening, but... You know, Ronaldo's very keen to to carry on playing. Um, he seems to be very keen to leave Juventus. They they seem to not sort of um, think he's worth. Like he doesn't. They don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. Really, I don't think so. You know, where where would you go? I think he. You know, we talked about the market being being strange and England being by far the best um, league out there now in terms of attracting new players I don't think there's too much competition like no, no Spanish clubs are really in a position to get him Barcelona are crippled with debt Real Madrid are um, trying to get Mbappe putting all their eggs in that basket for the next five six years so they can have him for you know all the way through the peak of his career so I feel like there's it does fit everyone for for Ronaldo to come to the Premier League but it's, it would be weird at Man City. I, I, f- I almost feel like they wouldn't do that to Man United because, not 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 because they want to sort of respect Man United. I just feel like they, I feel like they would be like, we don't want Man United sort of castoffs. Like he's always going to be associated in a red shirt. When you think about Ronaldo in England, you picture him in a red shirt. At the end of his career, are you going to picture him in? When you think about him in the Premier League in a red or a blue shirt, and I, I, I'm not sure about that at all. But I don't know. Stranger things have happened because you know he's available, and why wouldn't you be interested in one of the best players of all time when he's available for? I mean, people are talking about quite a low fee as well. People are talking about twenty-five million quid or, or even a a mutual agreement for him to go for free. But I don't know. This is this is a. It could be huge. It could be absolutely huge. <laughs> I'd agree with that almost 100% with what you said. 
Ronaldo will turn 37 in February, and I know he shows no signs of slowing down, but it feels very un-Manchester City-like, Callum, for them to A, sign a Manchester United <laughs> legend, B, sign someone who is in the twilight of his career, whether he seems like he's slowing down or not, you have to suggest at age 37, the end is becoming closer and closer for Cristiano. And and also, as Marley says, it, it doesn't feel like the juice is worth the squeeze. It seems very unlikely to me that Cristiano Ronaldo will end up at Manchester City. Uh, you're a City fan, so you'll be able to give a, a bigger steer on this. What's the fans' view on this? Because I know a few are sort of cringed or creeped out by the fact that he is such a, a United hero. And this isn't the days of Peter Schmeichel going to City to end his career, or, you know, Owen Hargreaves making the jump from Old Trafford to the Etihad when Sheikh Mansour first came in and stuff like that. This is a different Manchester City that we see now compared to the one that United fans did used to sort of laugh at and call the noisy neighbours many years ago. That That's kind of exactly the point I was going to make. I think I think Man City in 2009 definitely make this signing and, and, and Gary Cook is involved and it's it becomes this huge talking point in the story and then like so many of them he kind of underperforms a bit um or it kind of doesn't last I think I think you're right I think cringe is kind of the, the word I would use for a lot of City fans kind of whenever we've looked at Ronaldo um I think there's I think there's a few things going on I think um you say he's 37 apparently you know there's a there's a kind of apocryphal tale that doctors have assessed him and say that he's still got the body of a 29 year old um so i wouldn't be worried that he could do it i think there is a thing of like would he actually fit with this team this team at city you know it, it all feeds into the same thing the they're not run like they used to be when they were getting Tevez and Rubinho in and they're putting up you know welcome to manchester banners it's not the same people and, and the people that have come in have reshaped the entire squad and the entire structure and the, the everything they've built has been around this Barcelona Guardiola model of how to play football which is not a very individualistic way of playing football it's why we don't have a recognizable number nine there because the system doesn't need one and the system like those kind of players don't do well in that system and I don't I don't see how you know some some people might say oh wouldn't it be great to see how Guardiola would manage a personality like Ronaldo. Ronaldo manages himself and that doesn't fit that doesn't fit with how Guardiola wants a team to be set up and I think beyond having him on the bench and bringing him on to take penalties, which is something we've really struggled with, I don't see how he fits and I don't see the point and I don't actually think it would be um beneficial to him or the team to be honest. And you know what? A good example would be when Riyad Mahrez first came in from Leicester as the kind of star of their title-winning side alongside Jamie Vardy. And a lot of Manchester City fans, and I remember Pep Guardiola as well, hinted at it a couple of times, got frustrated at Mahrez for being that player who did always cut inside onto his left and take shots and wasn't really playing the team game. And Cristiano Ronaldo is that. I mean, you've seen his reactions during the Euros when players like as talented as Bruno Fernandes aren't pulling their weight or doing what he feels is the right thing to do. And there is that frustration there. And I just, I think you're absolutely right. I think as amazing it would as it would be for Cristiano Ronaldo to return to the Premier League, it just seems like there are too many obstacles in the way, both from a city mentality point of view in terms of their thinking and what their strategy and policy is. The cultural side of things with the Manchester United links and just in in general the tactical side of things with was he would he fit into the system and I think that actually you're looking at a negative response on all three of those things but if it did happen 
it would be the most remarkable thing to happen this summer. Well, would it? Because we would we'd have a transfer window then where Mbappe, Messi, and Ronaldo have all moved on. <laughs> that would that would be an absolutely insane transfer window. It, it would be, and you know, the the oldest of which has come to the Premier League. And, Ramos, yeah. <laughs> and Donnarumma, all these. Fuck, yeah, how many of them have come one. to the Premier League though? <laughs> Lukaku, I guess, is the only one of, of kind of world class. Um, pedigree that you could say has has moved to the Premier League. Anyway, it's a fascinating discussion whether you believe Harry Kane's message was heartfelt in terms of his commitment to Tottenham or whether it was a product of the situation. Who knows? Will Cristiano Ronaldo end up back in Manchester but on the other side of town at Eastlands? Who knows? It's really a fascinating final six days of the transfer window. It'll be interesting to see what does happen next. We're going to stay on the Manchester City tact as well in the next part of Football Social Daily because we'll be talking about Pep Guardiola who's been discussing his contract at Manchester City which runs out in 2023. Will he win the Champions League in that time? We'll discuss next on Football Social Daily. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. My name's Niall. Marley and Callum are with me. And we've been discussing Harry Kane's commitment to Tottenham Hotspur this summer. He will be staying at the club, putting an end to the long saga which has linked him to Manchester City. And we've discussed possibly Cristiano Ronaldo as well, pitching up at Manchester City. So we're going to stay at the Etihad for this part of the show too, because now Pep Guardiola is under our microscope. And there have been a few reports regarding Pep Guardiola's aims when his contract is up in 2023 supposedly he is going to stay until the end of his contract and he's going to honor that and I can understand that and I think that was always going to be the case but also I think 2023 two years from now is being suggested as a a time when he might draw a line under his period in Manchester now that's two seasons away do you think Callum as a City fan that's enough time for Pep to win the Champions League because City no doubt as a squad and as a footballing side are good enough to win the tournament. They just haven't been able to to crack it yet. Do you think that he'll be able to do that in the next two years? Well, if he doesn't, uh, obviously he's a complete fraud, and uh, <laughs> the whole City project has been for nothing. No, let, let um, me correct you. He's a he's a bold fraud. He's a bold, bold fraud. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it enough time? Oh, uh, I mean, we'll probably go into the, com- the competition as as one of the favourites next year but then you've got obviously Messi at PSG um, has been bought for very much the same reason Chelsea look even stronger and they won it last year um, yeah I, I, ne- I never hold up much hope um, for me it doesn't matter I think what Guardiola has done at City it sort of stands uh, testament to itself I don't think he needs to win it to not be a fraud for it to be a success um, yeah I, and you know it's still two seasons away um i think i would be interested to see what the final season is like because we've seen it before at other clubs where like a manager has sort of built a dynasty and there's that final year where everyone knows they're moving on um and sometimes that can go one way sometimes the the whole squad can lift themselves and try and win something and sometimes it can just be a little bit of kind of like the end of days and people trying to wonder where they're going to be next so I would, I would just hope that they can make the transition to whoever's next as smooth as possible because otherwise, 
you say it's two seasons it's probably one season and then a season of like everyone scrabbling around trying to figure out what to do yeah and also with this conundrum of no striker and I know you're a fan of Ferran Torres but you know is that going to be detrimental to City's chances of winning the Champions League another conundrum for Guardiola to solve but he is pretty good at solving them to be honest with you I mean the Premier League record he's got Marley is excellent the Carabao Cup record we mentioned yesterday is also phenomenal going for a record five in a row this season He's a legend of the Premier League from a managerial perspective, in my opinion. You can't underestimate or underplay the the achievements he's made, record points total, centurions, all of that sort of stuff. But strangely, crazily, people will level his achievements as underwhelming. And I know Jim Salverson's one of these people. If he doesn't win the Champions League, Marley, do you think that that's fair or unfair? Because I'm in Callum's camp here and I know he'll have a a shining towards Pep because he's a City fan. But I think all things considered, winning the Champions League is an extremely difficult thing to do. And even though you could argue he should have done it, I don't think that that tarnishes his achievements at all if he doesn't. Um, I can always see it being the, the little caveat that people have, but I don't know whether that is more just that people love to hear on people these days. Um, and say, oh, he never done this. He was never as good as this guy. You know, twenty years ago, he was never as good as Ferguson or whoever. You know, Roberto Di Matteo won the Champions League for God's sake. So it's it's a bit of a bit of a lottery sometimes. Um, I do agree that he's, you know, he's he's had a team capable of winning the Champions League for the last three seasons. Um, but I don't think it, it fully tarnishes his rep. Tarnishes is, is a strong word. Um, I feel like it doesn't tarnish his reputation on the whole I feel like since he's came to the Premier League I think the overall standard of the Premier League has got better um, there's a lot more teams trying to take little bits of what he's done and um, introduce it into their own play whether that's you know the high the high pressing type of thing um, seeing how good that is trying to keep the ball a bit more and play on the on the floor I feel like a lot more teams do that now um, and I feel like that is a a consequence of Guardiola being in the Premier League for the last, you know, four years or whatever it's been. So um, I don't think anything can really tarnish his reputation. I think he's he's always going to be one of the best managers in the world. This City team will probably go down as um, one of the best, um, if not the best Premier League team of all time, um, especially when they won the hundred points and uh, and walked the league in that in that crazy year with uh, with Liverpool next uh, next to them as well. So. I feel like he's done enough to 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 be happy and to you know live with his achievements and not have that sort of doubt in his head or uh, anything like that that you know he didn't win the Champions League if it does come to that. If I could just play devil's advocate, sorry, just for a sec, because there is actually I'm just thinking back now to our Champions League record. Guardiola has said before that the, the problem with the Champions League is it's like one-off knockout games. So there's an element of luck and there's an element of like you can't control it. He's really good when you get 38 games to get a team to that to a standard or whatever. I, and I totally get in that. But but when you actually look at the games where we've gone out, the only thing I think that could, in inverted commas, tarnish his record is that we've lost a lot of those games because of decisions he made and you can quite directly trace them back to his sort of decisions. I still wake up in a cold sweat just sort of whispering the words, why did Rodri not start in the Champions League final? And like that's like that's a decision that he took, and it was it was weird. It broke with the conventional team that we were playing, 
and the only thing I think is, you know, when he's right when it says it's a one-off game. And I think sometimes he, you know, he overthinks those games and, and it's, it's, he could do better in those games, I think. And you know what? We saw a microcosm of that on the first day of the season when City played Tottenham. And it's a game that I think I've watched four or five times under Pep Guardiola. At, Definitely. You know, watching Manchester City, it almost feels like a, a deja vu, a carbon copy of what we've seen before. City have the possession and they're knocking the ball around the edge of the box. They just can't penetrate, can't break, break through. And I think that that will always be the one criticism people have of Pep Guardiola is even if he doesn't win the Champions League, it will be why they didn't win it and it will be that overthinking. But this is what he said. It will be seven years at the helm, by the way, in 2023, if he does see out the contract until that long, which is what he plans to do. But he says, I think I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to have to take a break and see what we've done. Next step will be a national team if there is a possibility. That was spoken at a, he said that at an online event, allegedly. Um, and that, that was quoted by ESPN in Brazil. So it's kind of one of those maybe lost in translation sort of things. But he would have been speaking in Spanish, no doubt. So it would have been easy enough for some people to interpret what he was saying. That's an interesting thing to say because he's almost put a time frame on it himself, Marley. And I guess maybe he's putting pressure on himself to get the job done. And can you imagine Pep Guardiola too managing a national team? And if so... What national team do you think? It's It's got to be Spain, isn't it? Even though he's sort of a, a staunch Catalonian. Uh, I don't know, but Catalonia will probably push for independence by 2023 and try and get him as the first manager now. He'll be the president, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I, f- I always feel like he needs time to, you know, implement his style more then he's awarded to you at uh, international level. You only get a couple of weeks every couple of months with, with players. I feel like that that philosophy that Guardiola has would be so hard to implement on a national team where he's chopping and changing players all the time and you know you only get them for, what is it, like 10 training sessions or whatever it is. So I'm not sure about that. But, I mean, obviously it's a challenge he wants and it's it's kind of strange that he's he's set out his path like that. But I suppose if he... If he doubles down on it and and keeps to that plan, then you know everybody's in the clear. He doesn't drop any bombshells um, or anything like that. City can be thinking about life uh, after him, monitoring um, other managers, seeing who they they want to take over the the helm when he when he does leave. So um, yeah, fair fair play. But you know, I I don't think he's um, you know he's he's gonna carry on forever. I feel like. You know, is it seven years will be twice as long as he's done at any other club? I think he's only been at a club for three years, so mm. it it feels like it, seven would be about right for him. And that's a long time as well in the modern landscape when it comes to football. I mean, often, I mean, if you go onto the list of the ninety-two managers across all clubs in the top four pro divisions in this country, you'd be looking in the top fifteen managers would have been there three years. You know, and that just goes to show like like how often there is a churn and, and changeover of managers um, in this country. So seven years is, is, a, is a decent effort for a Premier League manager to stay at one club, despite the success. Now, with this whole Harry Kane situation and him not being given the £150 million to spend on him to sign him from Tottenham, Callum, there's been this debate that Pep, has he, hasn't he been backed by the Manchester City board? Would you be able to give your opinion on this? Because... I'd like to suggest that he has been backed and actually he's quite fussy with the players he wants, which is something you've already underlined on today's show. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I I don't think he'll feel like he's not been backed. I think 
I think City just ran up against a very, very tough uh, negotiator in, in Levy and a player who, like I said at the start of the show, totally overplayed his hand. Um, I don't, th- I don't think Kane made it easy for Man City to get a deal done either. Like the, I, you know, he's he was so keen to go, he was trying to to sort of make it happen, but everything Kane and his kind of entourage did just sort of made Levy double down and actually made it harder to get a deal done. Um, there was obviously an assumption there that City were kind of coaching the player to do these things, which I don't necessarily think is is the way that it would have would have gone. Um, now he was he was backed by the board by all by all accounts. Kane was the only player Guardiola wanted. He identified him as like the perfect missing piece of the puzzle, and for that reason, the board didn't go after anyone else, which now looks like a mistake because you didn't get the one player when you know could have got Lukaku, could have pushed for Haaland or Mbappe or Martinez or, or any other you know name. Um, I think that's an example that, that says you know actually no they did they did back him they went all in on the player um, and when you go all in sometimes you don't win and that's it yeah yeah well I'm interested to see what happens with Manchester City this season particularly now that the Kane saga um, has ended and what their aims and ambitions are with the teams around them in the Premier League like Chelsea having strengthened like Manchester United Liverpool are always going to come good so it should be an interesting Premier League title race this season no doubt Manchester City will be involved and all of those teams will also be involved in next season's Champions League. The draw for the group stages takes place tonight. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Welcome back. Time to talk about the Champions League. We've touched upon it already in today's episode when it comes to Manchester City, but the draw for the group stages takes place tonight. We'll find out by tomorrow just who exactly our Premier League teams will be facing in those opening rounds. So Manchester City aside, because we've already discussed them, Marley, which English teams out of Chelsea, Manchester United and Liverpool do you think are best place to make a tilt for the Champions League this season? Um, I think I think all of them have got a, a very strong shout, if I'm honest. Um, I feel like, you know, Man City are obviously hurting from, from coming so close last year. They're still equipped. Um, they're still, you still wouldn't back them to... You wouldn't not back them to beat anyone over the course of you know the the whole competition whenever the the uh, they play them. So I think they're in it. Chelsea are definitely in it. I feel you know Chelsea have got such depth and such options around them and the experience of winning it. Tuchel's getting better and better. You know he's still in that sort of first year where everything tends to go your way. Um, you know he's he's already won the big one. So why can't they? They back it up and win it again. I feel like Chelsea are right on the cusp of, of being legitimately one of the best teams in Europe. Um, and they've got the, the Premier League, which they look really strong for as well. So I think they're really strong. I think Man United will do better than they did last season. Obviously, you know, going out to Istanbul, uh, well, losing to Istanbul, Basaksa here, and then, yeah, you know. That, that killed them, didn't it? That was poor. That was huge, yeah. Because mm. um, Leipzig were always a really good team. Um, but it was, you know, you, you, you can kind of afford to drop points to them as long as you beat the teams you meant to beat. But they they blew it in that that awful defending from the corner um, over in Turkey, um, and then you've um, then you got Liverpool as well. So you know, Liverpool have always had that sort of love affair with the Champions League. So I, I feel like all all English teams are, are strong, and 
you know, we go back to it again, you know, teams around Europe, who is there that's in a position of real strength and of real harmony to, to go and make a run at this competition? I feel like Bayern might, but they've got a new manager. Um, the, the, the whole Lewandowski thing's now coming out. I don't know what, what how that's going to play out. It probably won't affect them at all, to be honest. But still, I feel like there's stronger teams in the competition than them. Um, and then you got PSG, who are the, the obvious ones. Um, but I don't think anyone else is really equipped to go and to go and do it, other than the the four English sides and uh, and PSG. We often say on this podcast and in general that the Premier League is the strongest league in Europe, if not the world. Callum, and that being said, do you think that at this moment in time that is true when it comes to our sides in Europe? Because obviously PSG, we know the the quality and strength of their squad. They'll be looking to win it for the first time. Real Madrid have won the most of any club um, on on the continent. You've got other great teams involved like Bayern Munich who have also had major success in European competition. Do you genuinely feel that the Premier League sides are probably the pick of the bunch in terms of a country in which you'd select the winner from? I think so. I think if you look at the last year um, and the problems that have afflicted football clubs, I think English clubs have been cushioned from it a little bit more. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the four English teams that are in there, none of them have the debt problems of Barcelona or the wage problems that Barcelona and Real Madrid have. None of them are kind of struggling to sort of, you know, Juventus have, again, they've got lots of the similar kind of issues. Um, And Juventus obviously didn't win the title to, to Inter Milan. I think I think English clubs, by dint of spending so long at the top of the market, been able to buy the best talent, the revenues that they get, I think they have been been cushioned a little bit. And I think, I think you actually could probably have um, all four English clubs go pretty far in that competition. Um, it's going to be interesting. I'm just looking at the pots for the draw, and because COVID was such a weird year, and you had so many strange winners of titles. So in pot one, you've got Lille, Sporting Lisbon, and Villarreal. Um, and then pot two, you've got Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, Paris, Liverpool, Man United, and Dortmund. So there's going to be groups of death galore. Um, pot two is way stronger than pot one, I think. Massively, but but again, all those clubs kind of have their own issues. Um, but I think I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a Champions League with a bit of difference. I think you might get a bit more of a competitive group stage, fingers crossed, than you normally do. Um, I mean, City will just draw Shakhtar anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. But you, you would expect all those English clubs to be quarterfinals or, or later. Yeah, I mean, obviously Chelsea, are the reigning champions, and Marley, you've just touched upon them possibly, you know, being one of the strongest sides in Europe. Now they've added Lukaku. Do you think that they can regain their Champions League title? It's not something an English side, I believe, has ever done in the Champions League, win back-to-back titles. That would be some statement from Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea if they are able to do that. It's easy to see why some people might think that would happen, but do you think they can? I I wouldn't rule them out, yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to, obviously it's hard to predict the winner. <laughs> but in terms, they've got everything they need to win it. They've got the experience. They've got, you know, they've they've literally just come off the back of it. They they signed really, uh, a, you know, really important part of the team to sort out the the slight goal issue they had up front with uh, with Lukaku Lukaku signing. You know, it's um, everything's there. Everything's in place. They're, they're certainly capable of doing it. But obviously, you know, anything could happen between now and then. You know, another English team could knock them out. PSG could knock them out. So it just depends on the the draw and and what happens. You know, especially in the in the knockout stages. So 
Um, it's one to watch certainly because they they are strong. They're very very strong. I think their their system and the way they play is is the, one of the best in Europe and, and very hard to deal with. So it'd be interesting to see if, if they can put it together and do something that no other English team's ever done before. We also highlighted that Manchester United were beaten by Istanbul in the group stages last time around and that cost them effectively their place in the knockouts. But they've added someone who's won multiple Champions Leagues, Callum, in Rafael Varane. They've added someone who has Champions League experience in Jadon Sancho despite his tender age. Do you think they're better placed to go a little bit deeper into the competition this season? Massively. I think, I think Varane is a phenomenal signing. I think he will be looked at potentially in the same way as Van Dijk was when he signed for Liverpool. Um, I think he's such a such a good player and I think he really really solves a problem for United and then obviously there's absolutely no reason why Sancho can't tear it up as well. I think I think, you know, all the pundits probably were saying the same thing after they smashed Leeds on the opening day. Um Southampton that Southampton game's probably brought that down to earth a bit, but there's when you look at the talent, this is always the story about Man United. When you actually look at them on paper, there's no reason that they couldn't go far. Um, but it's all the it's all the stuff that's not on paper. It's how up for it Pogba feels, how good the manager is. Um, so yeah, as as always, Man United will be their own undoing. I think. <laughs> well, we'll find out the group stages this evening for this season's Champions League. Who will the Premier League sides come up against? We'll have to wait and see, of course. And will a Premier League side win the Champions League this season? That will certainly. Uh, make a statement when it comes to the quality of the English top flight that's it for today's episode of Football Social Daily a lively one plenty to talk about and I'm sure there'll be residual fallout from that Harry Kane story right throughout the rest of the remaining days of the transfer window but thank you very much Marley thank you Callum appreciate your company as ever that's it for today and we'll catch you next time on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.